Well, hey, I don't, anybody else here kind of a geek about language and words and stuff? Anybody like that kind of stuff? Yeah, I, I love it. I think it's fascinating. And so one thing, that, I don't even know what you call these, actually. There's probably a name for it, and I didn't look it up. I should have now that I'm standing here realize it. These are not palindromes or anything, but they're words that are spelled the opposite way that you may not think of. It's just kind of weird. So desserts spelled backwards would be what? Stressed. And there might be a relationship there. I'm not sure. But anyway, there's, there's that one. How about this one? It's just another weird one. Who would think? <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. It's just weird, right? It doesn't mean anything, right? Okay, so nits, which doesn't, they don't stink, right? It's just weird. And uh, pupils, this is really weird. Slip up, I, I don't get it. It's just weird. I thought of teachers. I, but anyway. Okay, so raw war isn't it weird now there's some i didn't even put up because they're just silly but um smart trams that's dumb really but star what is it (laughs) rats weird huh live did we do that one already what does that say about me how about this one why why did you say it so fast that's what i don't understand i mean right away elaine's like sin duh I, you know, I was a little kid when I realized that. I, it really freaked me out. I was a kid, and I remember, I remember looking at that and like, <gasps> why? What, what does that mean? It, of course, means nothing, but I hope. But I do remember it, and I've always wondered about that. And, and um, anyway, I, to introduce this sermon tonight, I thought this a few weeks ago in my Bible reading program, and I, I encourage you, if you do not do a regular reading or a regular study, I encourage you to do that. That is something that, I have to be honest with you, it's, it's, it can be different. At different times, it's more or less difficult. But nothing will grow you deeper in Christ than something like that, where you consistently, and I know, I'm not criticizing any of you who might just open the word every day and just let it fall open. I, I really do feel like it, that's at least good that you're in the word. But I started on this reading program. I've told this story before, but I, it wasn't, I just realized I hadn't read through the Bible in a long time. And I thought, well, I, I should do that more often. I, I want to do that. And so I, I looked on the, the Version Bible app, which I also recommend you use. If, if it's, it's just something, it's just a real handy thing. If you use anything electronic, it's right there. I also always put the sermon notes on there. So if you search for a live event, it should pop up and it'll have the notes for this sermon right there. And I, the reason I do that is because it takes me a little time, but it's worth it to me because then if you happen to use that Version. Then you're tied right in, and, and whatever notes you want to take are private. You can do them right inside there. You can, you've got the verses. You can look around. I do that because I want you deeper in the Word. That's the point. So anyway, I started this reading program because it, it would do the whole Bible, and I didn't want to take a year, a year and a half. It would do it in eight months, and I thought, well, there's no big deal. So I started it and realized, I'm not sure I want to do this because you're reading a chapter from ten parts in the Scripture every day. So I thought, well, I'm just going to try it. So I, I tried it. And, and basically, it's not like a study where you read really slow and go for all these cross-references. I read through each of those uh, different chapters and different parts of the Bible. And then what I noticed, started to notice is how at different times I might be reading something in the book of Acts about Paul. And it might mention something that I just read or I, I would read in a minute about in uh, one of his letters. And then it might make a reference to something in the Old Testament, which I just read. It's just amazing how your mind ties all this together. Well, a few weeks ago, as I was reading, I came across three sections in Scripture 
where it talks specifically about different instances of sin. Isn't that exciting to talk about? And I, I, as I was reading, I thought, huh, that's interesting. I never saw it that way before. Not that I hadn't thought about sin before. I mean, we've all dealt with it, and it's something we all deal with, and my name has sin in it. So I knew that was part of the deal, but it was in the fourth chapter of all these books that I was reading. Four different instances, which we'll look at. We're not going to look at all of them, but we're going to look at a few that tie together in an interesting way. So that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. So let me just ask you. Um, we all know we've all sinned. I just thought I'd get it out there. After my name had something to do with sin, I want to make sure you all felt like you were part of my, my problem here. We've all sinned, Right? It's always easier to look at someone else and see sin than you and see sin. But we've all sinned. No question about it. But let me ask you this question. Let's just walk through this for a minute. How many different kinds of sin are there? Have you thought about this? You, you probably have without realizing it. There's so many different ways we sin. And, I, and, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because I'm trying to illustrate the fact that we all share this issue and this problem. It's, it's not the same necessarily for all of us because we're not... We don't all have a propensity to every single sin the same way, but we all sin. For some of us, it might be different. Some of us, it might be thought life, and thought life is a challenge, and you can't seem to control where your mind goes. For some people, it is actions, and all about actions, either premeditated or the Bible a lot of times talks about premeditated sin. It uses this very specific word, word transgression for those, where you've thought about it ahead of time. You know it's wrong, but you're going to do it anyway. That's serious. In fact, in the Old Testament, there wasn't actually sacrifice for that. That was punishable by by very severe things. Anyway, uh, missing the mark is normally what we call sin. The word sin in the Bible is usually when you blow it. That's sin. But then there's other things like recurring sin or patterns of sin where you fall into the same sin over and over and over. For some people, you, you do things that you know are wrong, but it's in the heat of passion. And you look back and think can't believe I did that. Why did I do that? I was just so upset at the moment or, or anger or rage or it was a reaction to something. There's a lot of kinds of sin, isn't there? Hopefully you're, hopefully you're not feeling guilty. That's not the point. The point is to think about it. In Luke, Jesus said, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good and the evil person out of the evil treasure of, pro, produces evil. I, I don't like to think of us as evil, do you? I mean, I, I know there's evil in the world. Don't get me wrong. It's just, that seems so severe. But the fact is, this is serious. And God takes it serious. For out of the, this is the part I wanted to really get to. For out of the abundance of the, the heart, his mouth speaks. My mom used to quote that verse to me a lot when I would say something. And I'd say, I was just kidding. She was, out of the heart, out of the, mouth, heart the mouth speaks. I'm like, oh, great. Okay. It's true, though. Sometimes it's things you say. Sometimes it's attitudes you have. Sometimes it's this. It's, um, sometimes it's this. Remember, it's a sin to know what you ought to do and then not to do it. Omission. When we know we should do something and don't do it. Sin is one of those things that it, it's, it's everywhere, and we all experience it at one time or another, maybe more often than not, but we all fall into it, and it fits all of us in different ways. So where does it come from? Where does it come from? Your heart, the heart, the heart, not your heart. Your heart's better than my heart, I'm sure, but the heart. Um, uh, Tim and I were talking about this earlier. I don't, he's probably never seen this, and maybe some of you have, but some people, they don't want to take responsibility for sin, right? But to say it comes from your heart, 
is a little too offensive. And most people don't want to say that. They don't want to, it comes from outside, right? It's someone else, it's someone else's fault. Or, or maybe like, like this. She came in the house, she had the box, Rev saw it. Rev said, what, another dress? This is ridiculous. Three dresses in a week, another dress? And she tells him, I didn't want to buy this dress. <laughs> the devil made me buy this dress. <laughs> I'm going to stop, stop that right there because, I mean, it's funny and all, but I'm going to stop it right there. Anybody know who that was, Tim? <laughs> I knew you would know who that was. Uh, Flip Wilson, he made a lot of money off saying the devil made me do it. Some of us who are older remember that. But the fact is, the world, the world and most, a lot of Christians feel a lot of comfortable, a lot of comfort in saying, hey, what am I for? I couldn't help it. The devil made me do it. The, the problem with that is that the Bible doesn't ever say that. The Bible does talk about temptation. Jesus, even in the Lord's Prayer, says, oh, skipping him this time. Don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Uh, we, we don't often pull that one verse or any verse out of the Lord's Prayer. But in the Lord's Prayer itself, when the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, he told us to pray for protection from temptation. My, what that tells me is that we need protection from temptation. And there is a tempter, which is one of the words, one of the names of the, of the devil. I get that. He does tempt, but he doesn't cause. We still have choices involved in this. And it's still our responsibility. But Jesus, knowing our frailness and our humanness and our, our inclination towards sin, told us and warned us, you still need to pray that God will protect you from temptation and rescue you from the evil one. Hmm. What's interesting about that is as I uh, see this world more and more and as I have my own children who are walking in this world, that's something I pray over them every day. Because the world is full of temptation. There's temptation everywhere everywhere and what temptation does is it plays on what's already in us let's take a look at some more scripture here james says and and remember when you are being tempted do not say god is tempting me god is never tempted to do wrong and he never tempts anyone else temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away again that's kind of uncomfortable because i don't like to think that it's my fault i would rather blame than take responsibility then he goes on to say, Those, these desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Then he goes on with this. I love this part right here. He says, whatever is good and perfect is a gift from coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. What I like about this is it sets again the clear idea that if it's good, it comes from God. If it's not, it's not from him. So many times, again, people trying to avoid responsibility, want to pass, pass, place blame, cast blame, and make it someone else's fault when the fact is, sin is part of our nature. It's who we are. Jesus said it this way in Mark. He said, from within, for from within, out of a person's heart come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, Lustful desires, excuse me, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within, and they're what defile you. Hmm. So sin is in our nature. It's part of who we are. We're drawn to that. So what do you do with all that? What's the solution then? Are we, are we to blame then if sin is in our nature and it's who we are? Romans, in Romans, the, the book of Romans is an amazing book. If you've never read it from cover to cover, 
it's, it's long, so it's not an easy thing to do. But as you, if you were to do that, you would see Paul builds an argument from the beginning of Romans to the end, trying to show that we as human beings, not only are we all sinners and we struggle with sin, but there's a, there's a God who has delivered us from that. And in the process, I love that Paul wrote this because so many times, you know, you, we, we struggle with sin, you struggle with sin, we all struggle with sin, and you start to wonder, will I ever get this right? Will I ever be as good as, as Elaine? Just kidding. You might think that. <laughs> you won't. <laughs> Her husband said you won't. I, I know that. You, you might think that. And, but you might think this too. Here's Paul, the author of the book of Romans, started more churches that we're aware of than anybody else in the New Testament, wrote more of the individual books in the New Testament than anybody else, and then he struggles with sin. I find comfort in that. Not, not excusing my sin, but the fact that that he is somebody who I would have looked up to as a hero of the faith, and yet he struggled. And this, this portion of scripture we're going to look at is kind of long, but I wanted to look at it because he goes, and again, classic Paul, he, he's saying the same thing over and over and over in kind of a similar way. He says, so the trouble is not with the law, not the rules that God has set down, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is me. It's with me. Again, uncomfortable, but with me. For I am all too human, a slave to sin. The way he looks at it is he, t- he takes our human nature and he says that nature makes us a slave to sin. So we, we struggle against, we can't help, but we, we sin. I don't really understand myself for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if, if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. The King James, I love that. It says, Oh, what wretched man that I am. (laughs) Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? I don't know if that helps you at all. It helps me. It helps me to think of the fact that there is something in my nature that I am at war against. My mind is at war. The spirit of Christ is in me is at war against a nature that is drawn towards sin. So is sin a thing in and of itself? It sounded like he was almost saying that, we're, that, that sin is in us and it's a thing, doesn't it? That it's going to chase us around and force us to do wrong again? He's not saying that. What he's talking about is the sinful nature itself. Let's, let's go all the way back. Who were the, who were the first sinners? Eve. <laughs> that says plural sinners. <laughs> Adam. <laughs> Whose sin was worse? Okay. Well, no doubt, and he chose, yeah, I get you. Okay, well, anyway, yeah, you got that. Who was the second sinner then? I guess Adam would have been the second sinner, okay, technically. But, okay, second sinner I'm talking about, Cain. Tell me about Cain. That story's interesting. Have you, have you read that lately? Not lately? It's an interesting story because it says that, that Eve had Cain first, he's the oldest, and then Abel. And do you remember what Cain did? Not for a living, per se, but do you remember what he was, what he did? He's a farmer, right? And what did Abel do? Shepherd. And it says that both of them brought 
brought offerings to God, right? But God didn't accept Cain's. Do you know why? Well, it doesn't actually say that. It doesn't, it doesn't actually say exactly why. It doesn't. And we have, there's a lot of speculation about why. Some people think it because it wasn't blood, but he didn't have blood to bring. Some people think it wasn't the best. Maybe he didn't bring the first, the best of his crops. We don't know for sure. But we do know this. He's angry with God, and God asks him, why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain? Why do you look so dejected? And here's what he says. You will be accepted if you do what is right. And again, we're not, there's a lot of speculation about what that means, but he's supposed to do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. This, these two verses right here are just packed with, with uh, interesting things. Now, again, we, it can be confusing to know why God accepted Cain or not Abel and all that. But let's focus on what he could have done. The fact is that God himself confronted him and said, why are you so angry, Cain, if you just do what's right? And then he warned him. Look at the things he says here. He says, why are you so angry? I don't think anger is the first sin but it's a horrible sin. And, and most of you probably don't struggle with it. Um, there's times where, you know, maybe you do, I don't know. But he says to him, why are you so angry? And why was he angry? He was angry because he was rejected. He was angry because his brother's sacrifice was accepted and his was not. He was angry because maybe his younger brother's sacrifice was accepted and his not. I don't know. There had to be a lot involved in that. But, but in the anger, in the middle of the anger, God warns him and he gives him a stern warning. Warning, He says, all you need to do is do what is right. The implication there is Cain knew what it was to do. He knew. It's not as if Cain said, well, what am I supposed to do? He knew what he was supposed to do. How many of us know what you're supposed to do? I mean, really? I mean, there's times, okay, there's times where we make mistakes and we do things that are wrong. And, and maybe you could say, oh, I didn't know. I mean, I, but don't we know most of the time? We know. We know what to do. And it's almost as if God, from the very beginning to now, is saying, you know what to do. Do what's right. You can do this. Do what is right. But then he says this, sin is crouching at the door. And I don't believe that God meant that sin was some little thing crouching at the door. I don't mean, I don't think there was a thing called sin just following him around. What he's talking about is it's, it's there in us, and he says it's eager to control you. I don't, I don't know if any of you have either been controlled by sin or known someone controlled by sin, but the, the truth is we've, we're all controlled by sin or can be controlled by sin. And the truth is all of us, for all of us, it's eager to control us. And it's always different. It, it may not be anger for you. It may be something totally different. It may be pride. It may be, here's what's funny about that. No matter what it is now, once you get a handle on that, there'll be something next. Because the enemy of your soul is never gonna be tired of, of trying to defeat you. You know he hates you, right? He hates you and wants to destroy you. He hates you and wants to destroy you. And more importantly, he wants to do as many things possible to hurt the heart of God. And destroying you does that. That's why he's after you. And he will never stop being after you. So whether it's anger crouching or whether it's, it's, it's gossip crouching or, or, or if it's envy crouching, whatever it is, it's always going to be something. And it's always going to be waiting and ready. 
Something is always going to be there. The fact is that will never change. But here's, this is what I love about this. He says, you must master and subdue this. You know what that tells me? It is within our ability, with God's help, to do something about this. We are not victims. We are not helpless victims in the face of any of this. We always, the responsibility still comes down to us, and you can do this. Here's one of the, the verse of the chapters that I, I saw that we're not going to read the whole entire temptation of Christ, but that was one of the chapters that I was looking at where I, I saw this, and it just was kind of bizarre, like, oh my goodness, look at all this about sin. I see Cain and Abel's sin. I see, I see Jesus being tempted to sin. Do you remember the temptation? We're not going to do a whole, you could do sermon after books on temptation of Christ, but remember what the first one was? Well, at least in the Matthew version. He was hungry 40 days. He said, why don't you turn these, these, this bread, these stones into bread? And he said, people do not live by bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And then he tempted him. He said, um, why don't you come to the top of this? He took him to a high pinnacle, and he said, why don't you just throw yourself down? And the Bible, Because he's, now the enemy is using the Bible against Jesus. And he says, you know, the angels will bear you up. And he says, don't test the Lord. And then the last one, he shows him all the kingdoms of the earth. And he says, if you'll just bow down and worship me, I'll give you all these. And what does he say? He says, get out of here, Satan. This is verse number 10 in the New Living Translation, Matthew chapter 4. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away and the angels came and took care of Jesus. I, th- I think this, that, goes right along with what we saw a minute ago in the, in the, in the uh, beginning. In the beginning, basically God was telling he was telling Cain, you need to resist this sin thing because it's after you and you are really close. The anger in you is ready to turn into sin and destroy you. And we know it did. And then Jesus models it for us. He models resistance for us. I, do you think Jesus was tempted? Yes, he was tempted. The Bible says he was tempted in every way we were. But I know a lot of times we think of him and we in a way to, to honor him and our honor of him, we, we start to think that he, he didn't have a human side. He was hungry. Do you think those rocks looked good to him to eat? I mean, not as rocks, but he, he knew what bread looked like and he was ready to eat. Of course. I don't know that he was all that uh, lured by the being thrown off the temple or, or having the kingdoms of the world because he knew already the end of the book. But the fact is, he, he illustrated for us how to resist. One of the ways, obviously, you could resist in the way that he demonstrated is using scripture and quoting scripture, which again, for you spending time in scripture gives you that foundation in your heart and mind to use, to quote, and to, to rely on. Here's uh, James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resisting him will make him flee. Here's the bottom line. You have to do something about it. You can't be passive in this. Passivity will kill you. Passivity will let that thing grow, that crouch, crouching sin that's by the door. It will grow if you don't do something about it. You have to control your mind and your actions and your choices and build up your defenses. It's not something that you passively walk through. And, and believe me, Christian, don't ever think that once you win a battle, it's over. It's never over. This war's not over till we're in heaven. And the fact is, no matter how old you are or what you've defeated in the past, you will continue to war and fight because there's an enemy of your soul that wants to destroy you. That's just how it is. 
Here's something else to think about. And I think about this with uh, Jesus in this situation here. Temptation comes at any time. For some of you, you may be surprised, like, I can't believe I'm being tempted by this, or can't believe that happened, or it's easier to look at other people, isn't it? You see someone fail or fall or make a mistake, and you think, how could that possibly happen? It's always possible. You just need to be guarding yourself at all times. I used to tell my students, because I'd hear the story, well, he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time, and I'd always say this to him, and they got tired of hearing it, but I would say, you know what's funny about that? If you're not in the wrong place, it's usually not the wrong time. That's true for us. If your eyes are not looking at the wrong thing, you're usually not tempted visually. The fact is, we have to do something about it. And it can come at any time. It can come in the middle of ministry, before ministry, after ministry, when you're tired, when you're happy, when you're sad. There's no limit to any of that. Bottom line, what you feed grows. And if you choose to feed your spirit, then your spirit will be stronger. If you allow sin to grow, it will grow. And just like God told Cain, it is crouching there and it wants to control you. That's the truth. Last thing I wanted to share with you is this. You gotta guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Isn't it funny that he goes right to there? Probably most of you don't struggle with that, but, but, but really a lot of us, we do struggle with the speech thing and talking and not necessarily the perverse, but, but just corrupt and letting your, your words lead you. Look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet that takes choices by you stay on the safe path don't get sidetracked keep your feet from following evil let me do this with you guys for a minute just shut your eyes for just a second the reason i ask you to shut your eyes just to give you a sense of, of privacy in a room with people there's people around and I, i'm not looking for you to raise your hand i'm not looking for a nod really this is a private thing as we've been talking tonight perhaps maybe god has spoke to your heart in some way as we've talked about the fact that sin can grow and it's, it's something that's out there and in you. Maybe for you, you've thought, oh my goodness, I didn't realize that I was allowing that to happen. Maybe it is anger for you or maybe it is one of the other things we mentioned. Maybe it's something totally different. The fact is one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is he, he convicts us of sin and he tells us things that need to be changed. And if you have something like that right now, here's what I challenge you to do. I challenge you just to confront it. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Simple as that. I'm gonna lead you in prayer and I'm just gonna ask you to pray. And if there's something you need to work on, tell him, tell him you need help with this thing. He wants to perfect you and make you more like his son, more than you could ever imagine. More than you want that. So pray with me for a minute. God, I'm grateful that you care about us. Father, I'm grateful that you not only show us where we need to grow, but then you, you offer to help us grow. God, I pray for, for whatever the thing is that you're speaking to each of us about, whatever it is, God, that you, you and your loving care would help remove that from our lives. God, we don't want to be like Cain and let something like that grow out of proportion. God, we don't want to be like that. We want to be pure before you. God, we need you. We need your forgiveness and your cleansing. Protect us from temptation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Dave, if you could put some music on. I want to invite you. If you want to spend time and pray, you're welcome to do that. If you want to head out to the lobby and, and talk and fellowship, you're welcome to do that as well. God bless you tonight.